some of these tumors, if they're deeply invasive into the muscle or even the body wall, might require reconstructive surgery. And not everyone, understandably, is comfortable with doing that or has enough experience to know if that's necessary or not. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Hello, friend. Today on Dog Cancer Answers, we're taking a listener line call. Geo called us at 808-868-3200 and left a recording of a question he has about his dog with mammary cancer. And he's a little worried about having to wait to get that mammary tumor removed. To see if he is right to be worried and to get some more advice, we're turning to Dr. Brooke Britton, oncologist. Dr. Britton, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We have a call from Gio in Pomona, California. So let's go ahead and listen to that. Hi, my name is Gio. I'm calling from Pomona, California. Calling in because uh, my dog was diagnosed with a mammary tumor. We took her in for x-rays. It has a metastasized. It's pretty large. Um, And we took her into the emergency hospital because she had gotten to it. She was biting at it and it ruptured, started bleeding. They recommended that that it wouldn't be able to get operated on because it's too large. And I'm not sure if we should take her in to get it removed as soon as possible. It is bandaged. It's looking a lot better. It's not bleeding, but I'm not sure really what to do at this point. Uh, We did change her diet to more of a keto diet. She was already kind of eating fresh food, but we eliminated all the all carbs from her diet. And, um, Yeah, we're just not too sure what we should do. We have an appointment on the 24th to get surgery, uh, but we're not sure if that's too late, about a week until her appointment. Thank you. So, Dr. Britton, what do you think? Is a week too long to wait for what sounds like a, a large, bloody mammary mass? Ideally, that would be addressed as soon as possible, but it depends on the wait times, unfortunately, for getting in to see I don't know if Gio is seeing his primary vet or a specialist surgeon, but even with general practitioners, the wait times can be up to a week or longer, sometimes much longer because of the caseload that we're all seeing nowadays. So as soon as possible is ideal, but as long as the tumor looks better, as he said, and relatively stable, a week could be a reasonable time frame to have this tumor seen. Okay. What do you make of the idea that a mammary tumor is too large to remove? It's hard to say because I'm not seeing this dog myself. Right. I'm also not a surgeon, so I'll preface my answer by saying this, but many tumors that may not be obviously apparently resectable at first glance, sometimes with the advent of advanced imaging or with consult with a specialist surgeon who does oncologic surgeries all the time, you may get a difference of opinion as to what is resectable or removable and what is too large to be resected. There are some tumors that are clearly just too large to be removed in their entirety, in which case occasionally we can do what's called a debulking procedure, which is try to take off the bulk of the tumor and at least get it down to a microscopic level of disease. We know we're not going to get a margin on the tumor, meaning a true complete removal But if the bulk of the tumor can be removed such that this dog can be 
relatively pain-free after the surgery and not be in a position where she's going to continually bite at the tumor and have the tumor open and bleed, that would be the next best ideal. If we can't get a wide margin, then maybe a narrow margin, at least getting the bulk of the tumor off. If the tumor is truly too big to be surgically manipulated at all, that would be more of a concern for this dog because tumor tissue, once it starts to ulcerate and bleed, it's very difficult to prevent that from happening or stop the bleeding once that happens. And so occasionally we can use other types of treatments, try to shrink the tumor with chemotherapy or sometimes radiation therapy, although the benefit of mammary tumors is not as well established for radiation. The best option here for this dog would likely be surgery if it's possible to at least remove the bulk of the tumor. Okay. So it's possible that what they were saying, that it was too large, maybe it's, they don't think they can get a wide enough margin. It's taken up so much space or it's attached itself to other parts of the body that might be important to keep intact, like the muscle wall or something that they feel it's too hard to remove the whole thing, too extensive. Too extensive. Some of these tumors, if they're deeply invasive into the muscle or even the body wall, might require reconstructive surgery. And not everyone, understandably, is comfortable with doing that or has enough experience to know if that's necessary or not. And so, again, it's difficult for me to say, truly, is this a receptible tumor or not without seeing a tumor myself? But the best judge of that is the person who's actually going to do the surgery. And then it's down to their level of experience and whether or not they specifically do oncologic surgeries routinely to know what they think is is feasible. But the sooner, the better to evaluate because if it's, in particular, if it's growing quickly, that would rapidly limit the surgical options the bigger the tumor gets. Yeah. And there is a limit to people's skills. Some veterinarians might simply not be comfortable. If there's an oath of first do no harm, if they feel like their surgical skills are not up to the task, they might be worried that they're actually going to do more harm than good. Absolutely. And so they would want someone else to take that on or to evaluate it. Absolutely. The level of surgical training varies a little bit depending upon the school that you go to or whether or not you've done an internship, for example, and had additional training. But even with an internship, you're really not getting a huge amount of surgical experience in most schools or internships where you're doing a wide variety of surgeries on your own. So many general practitioners, when they're in, out in practice, if they have an excellent mentor or a group of mentors, they may take an interest in surgery, take additional surgical courses. And there are many excellent GP general surgeons who feel very comfortable with a variety of different procedures and others don't feel as comfortable. So there is a wide range there. With a specialist surgeon, you can be assured that they've at least completed a minimum case log of certain types of procedures to achieve their credentials for their board certification. And in addition, rather, you can do surgical oncology fellowships now. Hmm. So beyond a traditional surgical residency, you can do oncology-specific surgical fellowships. So there is even that level of training now in our veterinary world where you have heightened levels of experience with doing increasingly more difficult and complex oncology surgeries. So there's a lot of different surgical options out there and a lot of levels of experience in that regard. Right. And your general practitioner vet who you've always gone to for everything else, you might run into this where 
they're confronted with something they can't personally handle. And so we just have to wait until someone else comes along. And it's always, that's stressful to wait even a week. Waiting is very stressful. It's very stressful. But the good general practitioner in there, there are many excellent GPs out there will know, just like I would as an oncology specialist or another specialist, an ophthalmologist, for example, know the limits of our abilities with respect to what we feel comfortable with doing and the level of medicine that we can offer in our wheelhouse. Just as, you know, if you went for a general annual physical with your MD physician and you needed, you know, a knee repair, you wouldn't go to your general internist for a knee repair. And so it's the same in veterinary medicine. It doesn't mean that there aren't excellent GPs out there that that can't do surgery. There are many GPs that do a wide variety of surgery. And we're, I think, a little broader in that regard than MDs and to the better. But there are some surgeries that I would put forward. It is better to at least consult with a veterinary surgeon, especially for larger or more extensive tumors where we know there's cancer or potential of cancer, at least to get their opinion before we try a big surgery like that. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about how to manage those bleeding tumors. And now a message from your dog. Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Ooh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass. Oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glassy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. <laughs> it infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, <laughs> I can feel it. Ever pop traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the Everpop you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpop, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpop is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpop Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damien Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn 
everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with oncologist Brooke Britton. So he mentioned that she's biting on it, mm-hmm. which tells me that it's probably uncomfortable in some way. It's itching or it's hurting. She's trying to take care of it herself. It sounds like they got that under control. What do you suggest if people have a dog who's biting at their tumor? What is it that you suggest while they wait for that surgery to come through? How do they address that? It's hard sometimes, especially when they're losing a lot of blood or they're having tumors that ooze constantly. But depending upon where the tumor is, sometimes they can put 
it's a little difficult in warmer weather, but they can put a little cotton onesie mm-hmm. over the area of the tumor, like a t-shirt or a little leg warmer. So if it's on a leg, something that's breathable and not constricting. In general, we don't like to, you know, cover tumors all the time or open wounds as this would be if we can do, because a lot of the wraps, for example, that we can put on them can slip or have friction or be compressive. But sometimes when needs must, you do have to bandage or at least put a light covering over that tumor. And then occasionally we can use medication. Gabapentin or other types of medications can help because it may be that it's uncomfortable or a little painful. And that's why we're licking or chewing at it and maybe just taking the level of discomfort down and alleviating that pain can cause them to take their mind off of it enough. When needs must, an e-collar, especially our like soft e-collars are kind of a better quality of life issue, I think. And in the meantime, like a little soft flower e-collar or in kind of an inner tube, you know, life preserver style blow up e-collar so that they're more comfortable, but they're not constantly getting to that area. And the gabapentin is often used in pain cocktails, but my understanding is it actually just calms the nervous system down. It doesn't directly address pain, but it sort of relieves anxiety. So it can kind of take your mind off things. Am I accurate? It does have some pain relieving properties. And I like it for tumors that we think have a pins and needles type feeling Mm -hmm. or what we would imagine that to be if we were human with that tumor or problem. Mm -hmm. It's good for bony related tumor pain. And so sometimes just that and that cyclical behavior of once we know it's there and we're chewing and licking and biting at it, we're going to keep doing that. Sometimes those sensations, that burning and itching and tingling and stinging sensation that we imagine many of these tumors can have when they start to ulcerate and become irritated, gabapentin can just dull that feeling for them. It is one option and a host of many different pain-relieving options that we can look at. Sometimes anti-inflammatories are helpful if there's a lot of swelling and inflammation around a tumor. Mm-hmm. Those, of course, are all prescription medications, but that's something that a general practitioner can prescribe while we're waiting to see if that's helpful. Right. And in terms of other things he can do, I mean, obviously, there's lots of other things to do to address life quality, but if we've got a tumor and we can surgically remove it, that's generally your priority. Yes? True. And it's small consolation to the person who's anxiously waiting for an appointment. I I realize that. But surgical removal of most solid tumors like this are the best option for these tumors, as long as they are resectable, you know, to his point. If the tumor can't be removed, then there are some palliative measures that we can try to try to shrink the tumor or take the discomfort away lessen the bleeding. Although again, that can be more difficult. Treat infection that the tumors cause secondarily, Mm -hmm. but surgery is typically the best option where we can perform it. Right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Britton. Thank you. Gio, thank you so much for calling our listener line and leaving that voicemail. It really helped us to create a show that I think is going to help a lot of people. We covered a lot of ground And you did such a great job of bringing up so many issues that I know are going to help many dog lovers in the future. To debrief with me about our conversation with Dr. Britton, I'm bringing on Kate Baisdell, our producer. Kate, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Of course. So that's a lot, right? Like to have a mammary tumor like that is just 
really gives me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine both how uncomfortable that poor dog is and how stressed out Gio and his family must be trying to manage that. Because when things start bursting and bleeding or a dog chews on a tumor, it is is a mess. I hope they've got everything under control quickly and easily for them all. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope that the surgeon is able to address it and at least debulk it. There was an interesting conversation about debulking tumors versus removing tumors. Of course, we want to remove a tumor, but in order to get those wide margins that you want to know that you didn't leave any cancer cells in the body, you really got to do an extensive surgery. And so you got to take out a lot of tissue that looks healthy around that tumor. So if it's really big, you might not be able to do that. It's really scary. Yeah. And definitely speaks to Ideally, you want to catch lumps as early as possible. And if there's any concern that it might be cancerous, try to pursue an aspirate or a biopsy so that you can do surgery if that's necessary as early as possible. So it usually means a simpler surgery, smaller incision, faster healing, and cheaper because shorter surgery means less anesthesia time. So win-win for everyone. And then you're more likely to get that tumor out before it can metastasize and cause trouble elsewhere in the body. Right. And, you know, Gio said there wasn't evidence of metastasis and that's a really, really good sign. And it's nice if you can get it out earlier than when it's huge. And I'm sure that this must have just come on suddenly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that sometimes does happen. And, and it's hard because many dogs don't like having their bellies touched. And especially if you have a hairy dog, mm-hmm. you might not see that. You might not see it and you might not feel it. Yeah. Because not every dog likes a belly rub. Yeah. So I really am sending Gio and his dog and the surgeon involved all of our best. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Brooke brought up how your veterinarian might not feel comfortable doing a really involved surgery and recommend referral to a boarded veterinary surgeon because vets don't want to start a surgery that they aren't sure they can finish well. There is some extra cost sometimes to going to a specialty hospital, but it can also be cheaper to just go straight to the surgeon who's very confident in the procedure and what they need to do and handling any complications that arise as opposed to telling your general practice vet, give it a go, see what happens, potentially having things go poorly, and then needing to go to an emergency facility anyway. Trust that when your vet says, I really shouldn't do this surgery, that doesn't mean your vet is not a wonderful vet. It just means they're not a spectacular surgeon. Right. And go to a really good surgeon to do these complicated surgeries. Yeah. It just means this particular challenge is one that someone else needs to handle. And there are people who love surgery. There are general practice vets who are very, very good surgeons. It doesn't mean that a vet's good or bad. It just means they have different skill sets and you should trust them. Like you said, trust your vet. They know what they're good at and they know their limitations. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Gio, again for calling. If you have a question please call us at 808-868-3200 and leave your question on our recording system and we will make it into a show at a future point in time. I'm Molly Jacobson and for all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'm wishing you and your dog a warm aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.